Well, again, good morning. It is great to have you here with us. Um, if you join us online, welcome. Uh, if you are online and you're joining us, and that's where you typically join us, come here sometime. We're a pretty nice group of people for the most part. Everybody's pretty nice, so come uh, join us. Uh, we have kicked off our new year with this series called The New You. And really, before anybody jumps to any conclusions and thinks that the new me is that I like cats, uh, that is not true. Somebody thought I should have this cat or this cat, this t shirt as uh, for Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, and so. They gave that to me, and then um, I actually needed to buy some Seahawk tickets from them, and so they said they would sell them to me if I promised to wear this one day. So, here we go. So, uh, if you want to blackmail me, I guess you can do it that way, and then I'll wear your cat stuff. So, anyway, don't get worried that this is the new me, um, but I do like mazes. So, anyway... Um, Okay, all of that to say, we're in this series on the new you, and what happens in our life is there are times where there are aspects of ourselves that, that we become dissatisfied with. We, we look at certain things and we're like, that's not really what I want it to become. And, or we look at the direction of our life and where we're headed and we're like, I'm not going where I was hoping I would be going. Maybe you find yourself even just wrestling the question of, am I living the life that God created me to live? And that was, that's what this series is all about, is really beginning to understand who is it that God intends for you to be. And that's the definition that we've been using, is that the new you is the you that God intended to help you become. It's who you were created to be. It's who I was created to be. And it's God's desire to help us become the greatest version of ourselves that we can be. And so we've been looking at a verse that's sort of been, that's been our guiding verse throughout this series. Uh, it was a verse that was written by a guy named Paul. Uh, Paul was very instrumental in helping establish and then guide some of the early churches uh, that got established shortly after Jesus' time on earth. Uh, the verses are going to be on the screen. They're in your message notes as well. But this is the verse that we've been looking at. It says this. It says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and new life has begun. The old is gone, and something new has come. And, and Jesus really wants to help you and I become that new you. That you and I would handle ourselves differently, that you and I would approach situations differently, that we, would, that we would deal with life better, that we would deal with life in healthier ways than we did before we knew him. That it would actually lead to a transformation as to how we live. And this morning I want to look at an area that, that we, if we get it right, it can pour into all of the other areas of our life. And if we get it wrong, it will also spill into all the other areas of our life. And so this morning we're going to dive in and we're really going to explore the idea of what God intends for you to be relationally. In terms of your relationships and the people that you know. Now let's just be upfront. We all have different personalities, right? So, so who you're going to be relationally might be a little bit different than I'm going to be relationally. But ultimately we all need relationships. There's some of you in the room, you want lots and lots and lots of friends, and you need lots and lots, and that's just who you are. There's some of you in the room, you just need a few really close friends. There's some of you in the room, you have the ability to talk to any person, in any place, at any time, that's you, you're like, yeah. And then there's others of us, not so much. I have confessed before, and I just need to keep it out there, um, that if I see you in the store, Unless we make eye contact, unless I know that you saw me, I will hide. <laughs> Literally, I have been walking down a grocery store, seen somebody coming, and jumped into an aisle. I have found myself reading labels that I don't care about 
just to make sure that we would avoid each other. Uh, and it's not that I don't like you. There are some of you that I don't like, but for the most part, no. I, uh, when I said this long, long, long time ago, Elizabeth, our executive director, she's like, you wouldn't hide if you saw me. And I was like, nah. I was thinking about this. I might actually hide if I saw my mom. Like, there's something in me. I don't know what it is. There's this, there's this natural tendency, and it's not that I don't like people, but there's this introverted side of me that's just sort of fight or flight, and I just fly. But even though we have different personalities and we respond to things differently, ultimately, we all need relationship. We all need to be in relationships that have a value in our life, that help speak into who we are and help us become what God has designed us to be. There's this amazing verse in a collection of wise sayings known as Proverbs. Proverbs 18 says this. It says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. If you've ever heard somebody say that the, that the Bible is out of date, or, or maybe they've referenced that the Bible is irrelevant to life, and understand, this is probably the very first documented use of air quotes. <laughs> right? There are friends, and basically he's saying, listen, there are different types of friends. There are different levels of friendship. There are some friends that, that, that don't really have your best interest at heart. And we have a lot of times, we have a lot of acquaintances and people that we know, and, and that's okay. But we have to recognize that those aren't necessarily always the friends that are going to stick by us. That really, no matter how many friends you have on Facebook or how many, how many followers you have on Twitter, like, those aren't necessarily those real friends that are going to walk through life with you. In Seattle, I don't know if you know this, but we are known for the Seattle freeze. Sort of an inability or an unwillingness to develop relationships with people that we don't know. We tend to, we tend to hold our distance, and when people move into the area, we're like, hi, but then we're like, hmm. Right? We, we want to park in our garage and close the door and then slip away for the evening. Or if we don't have a garage, we run from the rain as quick as we can. Slow to wave to our neighbors or to say hi to people. But what we have to understand is that you and I, we need friendships. We need friends that won't destroy us, but ultimately develop those relationships that, that will stick with us as close as a brother that we would develop relationships in our lives. And when those relationships are missing in our life, we will begin to experience a great sense of emptiness. And when we begin to experience that emptiness because of a lack of relationship, we need to understand we were actually created to experience that. Because when you and I aren't in a healthy situation relationally, we will feel an emptiness and a loneliness, and really that's God's warning to us that those relationships aren't right. Loneliness is actually, it's a symptom. Loneliness is a warning. Loneliness is like that little yellow light in your car that turns on when you're running out of gas. And some of us respond to it right away and some of us like push it to the end. Loneliness is that warning. That loneliness is that, listen, you need some friends in your life that are going to strengthen you, that are going to support you, that are going to help you grow. And the truth is that many people are facing loneliness. It's a bit of an epidemic in our country. There's so many people, even a lot of people within our church, that are, that are suffering silently from loneliness. 
There was a recent study done by a group named called the Barna Group, and, and they basically discovered that, that most people are struggling from loneliness. Most people are feeling left out. They found that 54% of people, 54% of Americans would say that there's not very many people, there's not people that know them well. 56% of the people said that they are surrounded by people, but there are not people that are with them. There's people all around, but they don't feel like there are people that are for them. There's not people that are present in their life. They're not really going through life with people. 40% said they just simply lack companionship that's deep and meaningful, feel isolated. That same survey discovered that, that younger Americans, that the younger that you were, the more lonely you began to experience life than an older generation. And the reason was because the younger that we get, the more likely we are to try and spend time relating to people online rather than relating to people one-on-one. -on -one. And we feel like we're connecting, but it's really creating an isolation. And so as a result, our society is increasingly becoming more and more isolated and more and more alone. And loneliness is a, is a sign from God that there's an issue that we need to overcome in our life, but loneliness isn't God's intention for your life. You and I were not created to live alone. And when we don't have people in our lives that are, that are encouraging us to become more like Jesus, when we don't have people that are praying for us and challenging us and, and pushing us to become more like Him, we miss out on God's best in our life and ultimately we'll come up short of the new you that God intends for you to be. Now there's a chance this morning that, that I've started to push on some, some emotions there. And maybe there's a chance that in your life, people haven't always treated you well, and that's unfortunate. And there's a chance that in your life, people haven't always rallied around your side, and, and I'm, I'm sorry that you've experienced that. But there's a point in our life where we have to stop pointing to how everybody else treated us poorly or how things didn't work out. And there's a point where you and I have to say, listen, I'm going to have to own this. It's unfortunate that those things happen, but at the same time, if we just keep saying, well, they didn't respond, and they didn't do this, and people left me out, and people didn't respond, at some point, you and I have to say, I'm going to choose to do, I'm going to look for ways that I am going to pursue, that I am going to develop those relationships, where I'm going to recognize that I need others, and others ultimately need me. And to choose to take that responsibility and to own your own part and begin to make some decisions that will allow you to eliminate and reduce the loneliness that we can often experience and begin to pursue those relationships and begin to establish those friendships that can truly begin to have a profound impact on our life. So I want to give you five steps that you and I can take. And the first step is this. You and I need to take the step to begin to pursue relationships with those that are pursuing God. Each of us need to make a choice. Each of us need to choose to begin to pursue relationships. And depending on where you're at in life, that'll depend on how many of these you need. But ultimately, each of us need to be watching for and looking for people that are headed in the direction that you want to go. Who are the people that are doing the things that you want to do, that are living the life that you want to live, raising their kids or living spiritually or handling their money or whatever? Who is doing what they're pursuing God and living in that way? And begin to pursue those relationships. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. Paul said this. Uh, da, 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 da. Paul said, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. So the reverse of that is true. If bad company corrupts us, then good company will build us up. 
And you and I, we will ultimately become who we spend the most time with. The sum of those that you are around will be the character that you develop. And so those that we spend the most time with, we have to begin to consider and reflect, what is their character like? Because that is who we are going to become. We have to begin to recognize that those that we're living life around, those that we're investing time with, those that we're allowing to speak into who we are, that's what we will be. And if we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus, if we want to, if we want to become more and more like him in the way that we live, then who we are living life with will have a huge impact on who we become. Now understand, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that all of your friends need to be Christians. I'm not saying that everybody that you hang out with needs to be a part of the church. That is definitely not the case. In fact, as we get towards the end of this message, I'm going to share with you why that's important that that not be all of our friends. But what this does mean is that you and I need friends in our lives that can have a godly influence, a positive influence on the direction that we move. People that are going to really help us begin to discover our purpose in life rather than pulling us away from what God intends for us to be. You and I, we need friends that are going to help us grow in our faith. We need friends that are going to help us move closer to Jesus rather than drawing us away from Him. We need friends that are going to challenge us to become more like Him rather than becoming more like our culture, rather than becoming more like those that are around us, we become more like Jesus. We need our friends that are going to lead us away from temptation rather than friends that are going to lead us directly into it. You and I, we need friends that are going to pray for us, those people that are going to be, for, that be there for us, that want God's best in our life. And we have to pursue those relationships and not just assume they're going to fall into our lap. We need friends that are going to lift us up rather than drag us down. We have to understand that if we want people in our lives that are going to do that, if we're going to pursue those relationships and we're going to have people invest in us, people that we want and desire for them to be our friend, what we have to recognize, if there's somebody that you desire for them to be your friend, you cannot choose to constantly be a drain on them. If there's somebody that you see and you're like, I want to be like that, and then you just side up and you're just like, I want to be like you. Okay, that's, a, that's fun at first, and then at times they're going to be like, you're wearing me out. So if you actually find somebody that would be a benefit in your life, figure out how to be a benefit in their life, and they're more likely going to want you to be around. And if there's somebody that you're going to pursue, if there's somebody that you want to pour into you, figure out what it is that you can do to begin to open up their time, because for them to invest in you, it's going to take their time. So you have to begin to figure out, how can I create more time in their life to be a benefit to them? So maybe they have kids. Offer to babysit for free. If they have a dog, offer to come over and pick up the poop for free. Open up some time for them. Maybe you have a skill that can save them money, save them time. Offer to help. You know how to change oil? Change their oil. You know how to mow their lawn? Mow their lawn. You know how to wash their car? Wash their car. You know how to paint their house? Paint their house. Decide that you're going to make yourself a plus in their life so that when they give back to you, You've not become a complete suck on the resources of their life. Have you ever been to a doctor's office or the dentist's office and you walk up to the fish tank and there's that fish that's just stuck to the side of the tank, right? Or on the rock on the bottom, right? And if they're on the side of the tank, you can just look at them and their mouth's open. They're just like... Sucker fish, right? Like, you and I have to recognize if, you just, if we decide to be a sucker fish... All that's going to happen is we're just going to hang out on the side of the tank. 
or stuck at the bottom. If you and I choose and understand that we want to swim with the fish, we have to figure out how can I be a benefit to those other people so I have the opportunity to hang with them, so I have the opportunity to head where they're heading so I can learn along the way. And one of the critical parts to you and I being a benefit to other people is to not be critical. See what I did there? Watch it again. It was really good. A critical part of being a benefit to others is to not be critical. Ah, that was a good one. Somebody tweet that. Okay, here we go. Second choice. This is the second choice. Second choice if we're going to make a commitment to pursuing other relationships is you and I have to make a commitment to speak encouraging words. Don't be critical. See, ultimately, you and I are going to attract who we are. You and I are going to attract and reflect what's happening in our life. And you and I need encouragement. And the greatest way that you and I can begin to receive encouragement is to give and offer encouragement. There's two types of people in life. There are people in your life that are going to add value to your life. And there are people that are going to motivate you to become the person that God intends you to be. There's that type of people. And then there's the people that are going to be negative and they're going to sap life from you that are going to cause you to feel bad about yourself, to feel bad about your life when you're around them. And the reality is that in life, usually we're one type or the other. Some of us are great at being encouragers, and some of us are great at being discouragers. And the Bible is clear that if you and I want to be the new you relationally, we have to work and we have to strive to become an encourager. There's actually a guy in the New Testament. He was such a great encourager, he actually received a nickname based out of that. Here's what it says in Acts. In Acts it says this, For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, I don't necessarily want the nickname Barnabas, but that's amazing. He was such an encouragement, they gave him a name that essentially meant you're an encourager. Now, a lot of us end up with nicknames at different parts in our lives, and, and sometimes our nicknames come out of a physical attribute, you know, a really big guy is called Tiny. If, you have, if you're like me, we've abbreviated my name because Brent's really hard, so a lot of my friends call me B. Maybe there's something you like, something that you did. This particular guy was so encouraging to people that they gave him the nickname Barnabas, son of encouragement. One time Barnabas had this field and he went to his field and he, and he planted some seeds and he waited for them to turn into the crop and then he plowed them all down and he went and he sold all of the crops and then he took all the money, all the proceeds from his efforts and he went to the church and he took the, he took the money and he said, listen, let's give this to anybody that's in need. Let's encourage them by supporting them. There's another time where, where Barnabas actually went on a journey with Paul. Paul was going on a missionary journey to spread the message of who Jesus is. And Barnabas is like, I'm coming, and I'm going to come to be a support and an encouragement to you, Paul. I mean, basically, Barnabas was the very first hype man, right? Go, Paul. Go. I mean, I'm sure they had that before Paul would speak. And Barnabas is like, you got this. You go, man. I know they're one. You know, go. And Barnabas decided that instead of being a distraction in people's lives, he was going to be an encouragement. And there's three simple ways that you and I can encourage people this week. And I know that on the screen it says, speak words of encouragement, but really there's different ways that we can speak into people's lives. And the first way is obvious. The first way is just with our words. Man, words can be such an amazing tool. And they can encourage and words can discourage. 
And the words that you choose and the words that I use and the things that we say to people can be so powerful. Because the words that you use, those can be a tool that will build people up or they can be a weapon that will tear people down. So choose to be wise with the words that you use, with the things that you say to those that are around you. The second way that we can speak encouragement into people's life is just through acts of kindness. Just by doing things, we can speak into somebody's life that says they're of value. Maybe it's just a simple little note to say, hey, you know what, I appreciate you. I saw what you did, that's amazing. Maybe there's somebody at work, a coworker, and you just, you know, bring them some coffee or bring them a treat or bring them whatever they need. Just say, I was thinking about you. Maybe just serve somebody in an unexpected way. It doesn't even have to be some big, grand thing. It just, just has to be something that says, I was considering you. You are a person of value. The third way that we can speak encouraging words into people's life is to choose to be a listener. Just to sit and say, hey, I'll hear what you have to say. I'll give you my time. I'll listen to you. I recognize you as my, as my friend, you just need time to talk. And we choose to give ourselves to another person and give them that time and choose to invest in them and listen to them and allow them to understand that the importance and the value that they have, that somebody recognized that they could care for them by sitting and taking time to listen. And if you evaluate your life and if you begin to recognize that, that you are lacking relationships, a key evaluation for you is to begin to look, am I a person that is encouraging or am I discouraging? And if you find that you consistently are saying words or doing things that are discouraging, you've likely found a part of the reason for the loneliness you're experiencing. And if you'll flip that, and if you'll switch that, and you'll begin to be a person that speaks words of encouragement, you'll begin to see that transformed. The third choice that you and I need to make is that we need to develop relationships around what you enjoy. God has given each of us unique abilities, unique interests, unique skills. Each of us have different ways where we find joy in different activities and different hobbies and, and things that motivate us and find and fuel us. So build relationships around the things that you enjoy. I mean, a huge part of the reason that we do different connect groups that we do is because we recognize that you'll likely sign up for a group that fits your interests, that fits what's motivating to you. And if you're going to sign up for a group that fits your interests and that's motivating for you, likely the other people that are going to sign up for that group are also motivated and and find that enjoyable. And then as a result, because two people or multiple people that find that same thing interesting, they're they're more naturally likely to connect, to get along, to build those relationships. And it's truly not a problem for you and I to pursue people that we enjoy doing life together with. Now certainly, you and I, we should be kind to everyone, and we should aim to get along with everyone, and we should, this isn't a matter of saying, well, you're not cool enough for my group, or you're not, it's about saying, listen, there are going to be people in our lives that we naturally connect with because of things that we get along with, or things that we find enjoyable, and we should pursue those relationships. And it's not going to happen that that everyone in life is going to be somebody that we find that we're going to get along, or not we're going to find things that we enjoy together, or we're going to get along. So so from time to time, it's just a matter of saying, listen, it's okay. We don't all have to be chummy-chummy, but we're all going to be kind to one another. When I was in the sixth grade, I was heading into a new school uh, for the fourth time in two years. Making friends was getting really, really old. 
about a month into school, I had been working on it. There were days after school, I remember sitting in my room and just crying, and my mom's like, you can do this, you can, I was like, I am done with this, and she's like, stick with it, stick with it. so after about a month, I started to find some guys that I liked, and some guys that actually liked me, and we were, I know that sounds like a stretch, but we were hanging out, and we were, you know, at lunch, we were sitting together, and at recess, we were playing together, and doing whatever we did, and unfortunately, at the same time, there was another kid that was new to our class, oddly enough, also named Brent, okay, both of us show up, Brent, other Brent, for whatever reason, about a month into school, wasn't having, having success finding friends. And, and after recess one day, the teacher pulled us aside, or pulled me aside. And she said, hey, listen, Brent, I think it'd be a really good idea for you to become best friends with the other Brent. Because you guys have the same name. <laughs> Brent's not a bad guy. We, we just didn't even like any of the same stuff. Like, he, he's smart. <laughs> he was a good student. Like, the things that I was interested in, the things that I found fun, he didn't find interesting, and he didn't find fun. So really, what she was challenging us to do made no sense at all. If she had gone to the other Brent and said, you should probably be good friends with Brent, he'd have been like, no. So I'm not saying we hold anybody out of our life or that we say, oh, I don't like, you're not like me. What I'm saying is you and I can feel it. It's okay to pursue relationship and to be around those and to, and to find time to be with those people that are enjoying the same things in life or at the same place in life so that we can go through things together. And the reality of that approach is it actually ties in with what Jesus came to earth to do. Listen to what Jesus said his purpose was. Jesus came and he said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. And it's not all about having fun and living in the moment. It's, it's deeper than that. When you and I can connect in those ways that we're enjoying life, we can take those relationships to a deeper level where, where we can begin to experience and talk about the forgiveness and the hope that Jesus offers. And around those relationships, we can begin to have profound meaning that can have lasting influence in our lives. And begin to develop those relationships with people that enjoy the same thing. And it really allows us to begin involved in each other's life and create some very deep connections. And invest in each other's life. And ultimately begin to experience what Jesus is talking about when he's saying, Listen, you can have a rich and satisfying life. Jesus wants to provide that for us. And when we overlook the importance of enjoying life together, we end up missing out on the strengthening that relationships can be, and we begin to miss out on how we can pour into each other's lives. We begin to miss what we can be achieving, and we begin to miss what can happen. And so often in our lives, we're so about getting work done, and we're so about getting things accomplished, and we're so about achieving all these things that we don't take time to just be together, to just play together, to just enjoy life together. And I'm confident that part of a rich and satisfying life isn't about getting the next paycheck, but includes finding people in our life that you can laugh together, that you can cry together, that you can enjoy life together. The next choice that you and I need to make if we're going to be the new you relationally is that you and I need to choose to pray for those in your life. Prayer is literally one of the most personal, meaningful actions that you can take for a friend. When you choose to take time and approach God and pray for somebody by name. When you go to, somebody spe go to God specifically about somebody in your life that's going through a hard time. 
when you go to God and, and pray for somebody's spiritual journey, when you go to God and you take the name of a friend and you pray for their health or you pray for their finances, when you pray for somebody's relationships, when you pray for somebody's career, it's powerful and it's meaningful. And prayer can do a bunch of different things. The first thing is when you and I go to God and we pray for somebody else, we need to recognize God hears our prayers. And because God hears our prayers, that means God can bring peace into somebody's life. He can bring his presence. He can bring his power into their life. He can reveal himself in their situations and in the life that they're going through and the things that they're, they're facing. We'd be able, it's able, an opportunity for us to introduce God into the situation, perhaps. The second reason is oftentimes when we pray, God will oftentimes lead you and I to be the response that he's looking for in their life and how you and I might be able to respond to the situation. So maybe you go to God and you're like, hey God, this such and such person, they're going through this thing and this is the situation and this is what's happening and God, would you speak in their life or would you do this in their life or would you help them in their life? And then God whispers, I've got a great idea. You can be that in their life. Maybe there's somebody that needs just somebody that you're like, God, they need a friend. You could be that friend. God, they need somebody to give them a ride. They're really getting struck. You could be that ride. God, they're really looking for a job. Okay, well, maybe you're great at putting together a resume, or maybe you've heard about a job, and God's going to say, tell them about the job. Maybe God's going to use you to be the person that's going to deliver some groceries during a hard time. Maybe they're sick, or maybe they're down on their dollars or whatever it would be and God is going to use you to be the, the answer to that prayer the other thing that's amazing about when we're praying for somebody else is that it's really hard to get mad or hold a grudge against somebody that you're praying for and if there's ever a rift in a relationship if there's ever damage in a relationship or if it ever happens as you're moving through a relationship that person that you're praying for that person that you're bringing to God that person that you're coming to God saying God would you work in their life God would you bless their life it's really tough to hope that seagulls you know dive bomb their car if you're praying that God would do something great in their life and it allows us it begins to help us have a new focus on who they are and what God can do in their and prayer is this incredible benefit that we can offer to others. And ultimately, the cost of prayer is caring and making time. Paul saw the value of this. Paul said this in Romans 1. Paul said, God knows how often I pray for you. He says, day and night I, pray, I bring you and your needs in prayer to God. It's so important. It's so critical. If you and I want to develop in our relationships with others, if we want to grow in that, we need to consistently be praying for our friends. And there's a prayer that's probably more important than you and I, the most important prayer that you and I can be praying for a friend. Probably the most important prayer that we can be praying for a friend is if we have a friend that's not currently a follower of Jesus. Is to be praying that God would help them encounter and meet Jesus, that they would enter into a real relationship with him. That God would help them begin to recognize the changes that he can bring in their life and what it means to enter into that relationship with him. And then praying that God would give us opportunity to speak into their life, to share with them what God has done in our life, that we would maybe even take opportunity to invite them to church or talk to them about what God has done in our family or how he's changed who we are. And when we begin to recognize the value of that prayer, it brings us to the last choice that we need to make relationally. The last choice you and I need to make relationally is this. Don't avoid relationships with people that don't know Jesus. 
one of the primary ways that God intends for individuals to hear about his love and for people to hear about what Jesus was willing to do on the cross and what Jesus was willing to do so that you and I could be forgiven. One of the primary ways God intends for people to hear about that is through the lives of those that already know him. And it's certainly important, we've discussed that it's important for you and I to have relationships with people that are going to strengthen us and with people that are going to encourage us. That we have relationships with people that are going to help us learn to honor Jesus. To pursue that relationship. But what we have to understand is this is not about you and I just hunkering down and holding on. This isn't about developing these holy little huddles that are waiting for heaven. This isn't an us versus them. This, this is a recognition that you and I have a message that was designed for the entire world to hear. And ultimately, it's our responsibility and our opportunity to share that message. And one of the most powerful tools for a person to begin to see the difference that Jesus can make in their life is for them to see the difference that Jesus has made in the life of one of their friends. And every day, you and I interact with people that don't know him. Maybe interact with people at work that don't know him. Maybe you hang out with people that don't know him. Maybe people in the apartment next door. Maybe just your next door neighbor. Maybe, maybe people at school or maybe people at the gym, whatever it is. Your life has the opportunity to be the life that makes a difference in somebody's world. And honestly, I recognize that sometimes it feels really weird. Maybe it feels awkward to talk to friends or talk to family about faith. But if you and I are truly friends with an individual, we will recognize how important it is for them to understand who God is and the eternal consequences and the eternal value of having that relationship with him understand i am not talking about being an obnoxious christian okay this is not about pounding people over the head with your faith this is not about looking for the most awkward opportunities this is not about recognizing that you've got a friend who's got a sweater and the thread is starting to pull out and be like oh i noticed this thread is dangling that's a lot like your soul <laughs> dangling over the precipice of hell don't do that don't on a hot day, on a hot day, don't say, you know, it's hot out here. You know what else is hot? Hell is really hot. Don't be that person. Don't be obnoxious. This is really about recognizing the Bible says, the Bible, just live out your faith. <clears throat> be consistent. And when the opportunity arises for you to talk about what Jesus has done for you, respond. And it starts by praying for our friends and praying that, that God would begin to soften their heart and prepare their heart to hear what he has done in your life. That God would begin to make opportunities open for you just to share the changes that God has brought in your family and the benefit that church has maybe brought and the way it's changed how you approach life. It's beginning to look for chances, maybe to invite them to something happening at Silver Creek. We mentioned earlier that Easter's coming out, and I recognize you're like, April 12th, that's so far away. But it's such an amazing opportunity for you to invite somebody to be able to come and hear about Jesus. And ultimately, our attitude isn't, oh, I'm going to go find that friend so that they can know Jesus. It's choosing to be in a relationship with an individual because they're a valuable individual, and they deserve relationship. And then because we care for our friend and because we value the truth that we've discovered, we invite them to know what we found to be true. And we invite them to what we've discovered. Jesus did this all the time. 
Jesus was constantly spending time with people that didn't believe in him or didn't understand the religious things and how to do church. Jesus got all kinds of grief for it all the time. Here's how it went down. It says this. It says, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus was the most amazing example of this. Of what it looks like to give of ourselves. To reach into the lives of those people that don't know him. And there's a chance that you're here this morning and you're, be, you're hearing me talk about being in relationship with Jesus and you're like, I, I don't understand what that means. This morning, I want you to recognize that Jesus chose to give up his life on a cross. He gave up everything so that you and I could be in relationship with God. He chose to die on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven from the, the choices that we've made, the times that we've broken relationship either with God or with other people. And ultimately, Jesus said, listen, I want to create a way for you to be right with God. And this morning, if you're here and you're not in relationship with him, can I just encourage you? Can I just invite you to say, God, would you begin to help me understand who you are and begin to see the value of a relationship with you? And if you're interested in knowing more about what it is to know Jesus, on the back of your Connect card, there's just a place for you to mark, I'm interested in knowing Jesus, and I want to start a conversation with you. And begin to have that and talk about what it means for you to enter into a relationship with him and what that begins to do in your life. But one of the amazing things that Jesus did while he was here is he said, listen, I want you to remember what it is that I did so that you could be in relationship with me. And he took some bread and he began to break it as he was sitting with his friends and he said, listen, I want you to take this bread and I want you to eat it. And I want you to remember that I gave up my body so that, so that you could be healed and so that you could know life. So he passed around the bread, and then he took a cup, and he passed it around. He said, listen, I want you to drink from this cup, and I want you to remember my blood that's going to be poured out so that you could find forgiveness of sin. And this process is called communion, and it's an opportunity for us to recognize and remember what Jesus did for us. We've got three stations, two up front and one in the back. Each station is gluten-free, if that's something you need to be considered or thinking through. And really, when you get to the front of the line, you can take the bread, and you dip it in the cup, and then eat, and remember that Jesus died for you. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to belong to anything. You don't have to take a special class. But if you're here this morning and you recognize that Jesus died on the cross for you, in just a minute, we're going to invite you to come and receive communion. Before we do that, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you died on the cross for us, that you created a way for us to be made right with you, to restore that relationship between us and God and to begin to understand that, that we've been made right and we've been set free. That through that, we can allow that to pour into each of our relationships, but God, ultimately help us to recognize that the prime relationship is with you and the opportunity to connect with you. Allow this morning to be another opportunity for us to see the amazing value that you place on who we are and what you want to do in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.